When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCFN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSM Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the Law Office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. holidays merry merry christmas to you all brian fulford here live in the bcsn jericho broadcast network studios in atlanta georgia ad drew from his home office in southern georgia south georgia drew how you doing this afternoon i'm doing all right my brother how about you man i'm good see i tried to respect your privacy i didn't tell all the people where you where you live and everything i you know i almost slipped and did it I know if you want to to keep your business and your home location, you know, personal. So I said in South Georgia is where you can find Drew bumping around the the counties of South Georgia. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, I'm just north of Tallahassee. We'll just put it like that. Oh, see, there you go. You're giving, giving away, 
giving away the business. I'm just sitting here sending out the uh, retweet uh, from my own personal uh, Twitter account. Of course, you can follow me at DRB365. Drew, you can find him at BCSN Drew, where he is. Uh, good to be on. Good to see Tamara T jumping in. That's what happens when you are connected with us on our Instagram. I, well, hold on. On our YouTube, Facebook, and of course, Chuck Hunt checking in, of course, on Facebook. And then, of course, today, Drew, we're actually streaming on Instagram. So there might be some people watching us on IG because that's a new feature that we have now. And if you're watching us on X, formerly known as Twitter, you can actually send us comments. We'll see those. So all kinds of new and exciting ways to connect with uh with the uh with the fan base drew i love it i love it i love it hey whatever we can do to improve this media and get this story out better that's what we're gonna try to do all right so on today's show hold on i'm fin finishing this last tweet here uh, even on my day off i mean it's like uh, let's go hold on i'm sorry you, you're catching me live live in uh live, in tweet live tweeting. here live tweeting live at the same tweet. time that's why you know just Something new. Okay, so before we get going, let me, okay, so let me set the show. We're going. We're here for a good time, not a long time, all right? You know what that means. That means we're going to give you a quick, short, abridged version of the show. Roy's laughing. He's laughing when I said that. Um, I, I want to be out of here in a decent time today. No three-hour show today, folks. Sorry. I can hear everyone in the background going, oh, man, no Drew and Brian for three hours? No. Not today. Um, coming up very shortly, real quick, uh, Olivia Antilla is going to be joining us. Live for Hoops is her name. And uh, if you are not following her on X, you are missing out. And if you haven't caught any of her podcasts on YouTube, Live for Hoops, that's L-I-V or F-O-R, Hoops, you're missing out. I mean, look, uh, uh Former basketball player at Florida AM. and uh, You've heard her on the ONG Strike Zone many times, if those of you who check us out. But she's also, you know, she's been doing Twitter spaces. Um, I, I love, I love the work she's doing. And, and for you and me, Drew, we're basketball heads. I mean, it, it, it's good seeing somebody else in this basketball space, especially someone uh, like, like Liv, you know? I mean, not just, just a, uh, of course she's a, a, a woman, but I mean, you know, you know Liv, Liv be, she be throwing some pictures up on Twitter that, you know, be getting folks in trouble. They be, I'm sure, not me, but they be getting folks in trouble. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's real cool having Liv out there. Uh, but you'll get a chance to uh, see her, talk to her. We'll talk to her about the uh, basketball season, Drew, uh, coming up here. Well, um, the football season is officially over, Drew. Are you sad? <laughs> I, there's those two. Yes, yes, yeah. The 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 season, the season is over. Um, you know, and what what is what is the what is the storyline? What what's the thing you will remember about this season? Um, let me give you three of them. Oh, let's about see. Three, okay. Yeah. Number one, uh, and in no particular order. FAMU. FAMU, uh, Willie finally getting it done. That has to be the storyline, getting over the Jackson State hurdle and 
getting to the Celebration Bowl and winning it. So that has to be one storyline. Benedict would have to be another storyline, another perfect season for the Tigers of Benedict. That has to be storyline number two. And hmm, if I had to go with number three, the changing landscape of coaching, I don't think I've ever seen so many mid-season changes with coaches and then buyouts on this level. This is not, this is something that we have not typically seen on the HBCU level. So those would be my three top storylines from the 2023 season. All right. So I will go number one. Uh, and this is something we, we talked about. Um, uh, life A, uh, AP after prime. Life after prime, right? I, I think very significant in the first year of HBCU football without uh, Coach Prime doing his thing at Jackson State and just the effects. I think it took a while for people to kind of to kind of move forward from that, you know, and everything, especially when he was hot at the beginning of the college football season, uh, th- those reverberations down to the HBCU level were there. But then as his team started to cool off, so did the uh, so did the need to want to comment about him, you know, and then it became, you know, the prash tag prime effect, you know, which, you know, a lot of people in Mississippi that, you know, get kind of sore when you go hashtag prime effect. And then they but anyway, I just so that was my number one life after prime. Number two, how about dominance from the top? And you just named the two schools. I thought there was a clear tier one at the non-division one and division one level that, I mean, you had clearly Benedict was on a level and no one else was there. Maybe Virginia Union, maybe. Um, But even Virginia Union season this year wasn't as dynamic as it was last year. Let's be honest, if we are. And then FAMU was on a tier by itself. I know Central, North Carolina Central, got people excited and and a little moist early, but they flamed out in the end. Howard kind of came out of no, well, kind of came out of nowhere, but nobody really uh, was counting except for people in D.C. Uh, Maybe half of them weren't even counting on uh, Howard doing what they were doing. So I think the, the tier for FAMU and Benedict, it was like them. And then there's everybody else. They were they were they were chasing their own success, right? And I think there's a very cool synergy between uh, Coach Chinnisberry and Coach Willie Simmons. Uh, their relationship is very very you know. There's a you, you hear a lot of the similarities. Coach Simmons has already has often talked about the relationship and how those two uh, men talk to each other on on a weekly. And then the third one for me. I'm going to say average was mediocre. Everybody else, I'm sorry. What happened to tier two? The fact that there was only one team in tier one, everybody else was real, real. They had flaws. I mean, big flaws. I mean, they, <laughs> nope. I don't think anyone else really, I mean, come on. If you really think about it, 
Central was in, uh, Central and FAMU would have been tier one on the FCS level. Yeah, despite I mean, the fact that despite the fact how Central yes, faded yeah, they, at the end, I, they, I were, they were yes. tier one. They yeah, were tier I, one. But but I think Central was flawed to the point Central that we clear one Central wound up being a clear one A, just like Virginia Union wound up being a clear one A. But they were both tier one teams. I I wouldn't say one. I, you got you got beat by fifty. They're like one, and then there's two. There's one and two. I I would give you one A for Virginia Union, but when you got beat by fifty, you're or thirty. Excuse me, you got beat by thirty, fifty to twenty. Somebody beat you by thirty. That to me, that's significant. Okay, so I, I'm I'm just going. But but where was everyone else? The average was really average this year. It was really mediocre. I mean, there was a lot of teams with four losses. Uh, a lot of team. I mean. What what really should have been a story should have been the SIEC, okay? But at the end of the day, because nobody really challenged Benedict, it ended up being Benedict and then everybody else. Although the SIEC was fun, so maybe that should be maybe that should be my number three. And that the SIEC uh, race, the conference was fun. That was the most enjoyable conference to cover and watch. It really was. But everybody else was average, and that's and that's going to be interesting, Drew, because of the the coaching turnover and the and the, how young coaches are in terms of their tenure. That's what I think. Really, we're going to come away watching and kind of seeing what that looks like in the off season and in the recruiting cycle and so on and so forth. You agree? I disagree with? That. Yeah, I I, I could give you those, uh, but you spoke about the SIC. I think that would be. If we expanded a list of five, that would be top five because the format with them changing to the uh, top two instead of east-west allowed for – almost allowed for some yakish stuff to happen at the end of the season. But there were multiple uh, teams who were in the race coming down to to the last two weeks, and there were were four teams. There were six teams last – I think there were six teams. Four teams on the last week. Four teams in the last week had a shot at getting to the championship game with Benedict. And and six teams on week nine had had a shot. And the fact that you had your top six teams playing head-to-head in week 10. Great schedule. If if you're Commissioner Anthony Holloman, you could not have dreamed of a better scenario talking about uh catching lightning in a bottle they yep. caught lightning in a bottle real real fast but let, let, let's let get a couple other ones uh here if i was to go one more um what about our non-conference and the for lack of a better word some of our FCSs took some bad non-conference losses. I mean, you had you had Prairie View went 0-4 outside of the conference despite being in the championship game. You had Alabama State losing to a Miles. Uh, mm-hmm. You had Delaware State losing to, was it Virginia State or was it Union? I think it was State, State. that they lost to. And, and, and no, then no, – it was, Norfolk State lost to Virginia State. Okay, it was Norfolk State. I'm sorry. Delaware State lost. Didn't Delaware State lose to somebody also? Wasn't it Bowie? I think it was Bowie. 
that, that may have been that may have been it. Delaware State may have lost to Bowie State. And then if we want to drop that down one level, Lane losing to to Union, uh, not Union to Lynchburg. That was yeah. kind of a what what the f. And then speaking of Lynchburg, that's a whole other subject for another podcast. Yeah, I, I have to get caught up on that. I I, uh, I stayed away from it. Just you know, this I hate to say it, the significance of Virginia Lynchburg. I, I haven't really, I haven't dipped my toe into that water. But um, <laughs> if, they, I, if they were not an HBCU, no one, no one would pay attention. Case in point. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely go SIC story number three, then the average mediocre teams. And then my last, I, and since we did five, my fifth one would be Bye Bye Buddy. Who's who's next? Because uh, a 20-plus year career in black college football, he, I, I mean, I would love to see somebody equal that. But, Drew, I don't know. I mean, the closest person right now might be – I'm not even going to go with the whole one school thing because that's like kids staying in school for four years, playing four or five years at one school. Given the transfer portal, is very rare, right? It seems very Correct. rare when you get a guy who came in his freshman year and, and stayed all the way to the end, right? Uh, you can count those guys probably on one hand at most programs. But I'll say – Buddy Pew going 20 year, 20 plus year. What, what's the total number? Like 22, something like that? That sounds about right. How about let's forget one school? How about being a head coach at an HBCU for 20 years? Now, Connell Maynard has been coaching at HBCUs for now probably at over least 10 years. Over a decade. Yeah. I know. Yeah, almost close he, to 13 years. Because he was in Winston Salem in the early teens, maybe like right. 10, 11. Then he went to Hampton. Right, and then he went to A and M, and I don't do not recall there ever being a break in between any of those coaching no, stands. No, there there wasn't. So that would be the longest tenure person. Uh, after him would be Willie Simmons, who's had six at Fam now and three prior to that as a head coach. So he's at about eight, and then maybe Fred McNair, but that's up in the air. We'll talk about that later in the show. Who knows? It might not Fred be Fred McNair. Fred McNair got to get a contract first. I, I, that's what I said. It may not. So, speaking, so speaking of man, what, what? hold on, don't go there because we got to come back to that. We, we got to transition to the, to the basketball court with our, with our guests coming up. So I, we, we'll talk about that story in a second, but uh, that, so that, that would be my last top five story of the year is you know we, we'll celebrate buddy and then we'll just sit back and watch and see it may be another 10 years before somebody else gets close to being an hbcu head coach for for two decades um and 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 it's crazy the, the turn of millennium seems like it was just yesterday drew i remember where i was i remember the club i was in i remember who i was dancing with she's married and i remember the song so i mean i I have vivid memories and I'm, I'm a little sore about them all. Um, all right. Anyway, can we, can we transition to the basketball court, Drew? Sure. All right. Let's get ready to bring in our next guest, our next guest, guest, uh, Olivia Antella live about to bring her up in a second. There she is. 
Live for Hoops is where you can find her on uh, X and YouTube. Um, Liv, how you doing this afternoon? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yes, happy holidays. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I, I hope my I hope my introduction wasn't like awkward or anything. wasn't crazy. No, no, not at all. <laughs> hey, all right, you know, I, I got to catch myself at times. I'm sorry. Um, all right, so we're in the midst of holiday season, and again, holiday hoops is a big thing going on right now. HBCUs are in the mid con or non conference schedule, um, and again, if you're not following Live, you are. You, you're missing out. You know, I, I, I say this, Drew, some of the best follows on game days, Chris Ferguson on game day. Chris, I love the way Chris covers the CIAA on football Saturdays and live because basketball is every night. Live is at every night. She's, she's, she's 24 7, 365. If there's, she's, I mean, so if there's a break in the schedule, maybe that's when Liv gets a chance to hang out and go out and enjoy time with the family. But other than that, She's locked in on these games, whether it be the women's games, the men's game. So that's why, I mean, I enjoy following Liv on Twitter. So let's kind of just go overall big picture, Liv. Let's start with who are the five teams. Let's start with the women and then go to the men. Who, who are your top five women's teams thus far in the non-conference? And then jump over to who are your, your, your men's top five teams. In just the swag or overall? We could we could go overall. We I mean I know you I know you heavy you're heavy swag, okay. but I know you you definitely cover it all. You see it all. Yes. So this was honestly something I was thinking about earlier because these last games over like since last week, it's made it really hard to rank these teams because there's been teams who were in my top five that lost to a lower team, but they still have better wins than some of these other teams. The end of this non-conference season has been, it's been really good basketball being played across the board. Um, for me, for sure, the top three still in division one HBCU women's basketball is UAPB, Jackson State and Norfolk State. Um, they've Again, UAPB has those big wins. Um, they battled Ole Miss. That third quarter really brought struggles for them. But besides that, every other quarter was really good. Jackson State, they've had good wins versus St. John's, who was out of the Big East. And obviously, Norfolk is leading the way with eight um, Division One wins. And they have two games left in their non-conference, so they could possibly hit that 10-win mark. Um, other teams for me, and I know you're going to – I saw you were talking about, I was about to start drinking the Kool-Aid, but I will throw North Carolina A&T in there. They have done good. The reason they initially fell out for me was because they lost to Mercer, which was a game I thought they should have won. Um, but they had a really, really good showing at the Stetson Holiday Tournament um, this past week. They looked they looked like a well-oiled machine, which is what they usually always are. And then I won't leave Bethune out, although they lost to ANT. They're still up there for me because, again, they're right now they're leading based on records in the SWAC. They have eight wins, and they have really good um, wins against Bradley, Iona, Georgia State, Jacksonville. Like, they beat quality teams. Iona won their conference last year and went into the tournament. Um, so they've been playing really well. Those are probably my top – Five, but honorable mention, I'll say University of Maryland Eastern Shore. 
They've been a shock. Like, they've been playing really, really, really well. They have two CAA wins over this past week. Um, and then I'll throw Grambling in there because they've they've been staying pretty consistent. And, again, they've had that Pac-12 win versus Arizona State. And I can't go without congratulating Southern. They were due one. They have been so battle-tested. They have one of the hardest non-conference schedules. People forget that they took Miami down to the wire when they played at Miami. Then they went into Oklahoma. They looked so good the entire game. They really did. And so I'll throw them in there because that was a big non-conference win for them. Um, yeah, you know, uh, the eight, I, I do admit the, the Kool-Aid, I almost, I almost drank it with Bethune. You know, I, the minute I was ready to kind of start giving them some props, you know, <laughs> the men and women and the women go and get dusted by oh, A&T. No. And then I got to, I had to recheck. I'm like, wait a minute. How come, how come I haven't been paying attention to A&T? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I noticed they had the win over Wake Forest. Norfolk mm-hmm. didn't get the win over Wake Forest. Um, A&T was one of those teams that, what, last year, weren't they in the top three in the CAA They finished year? at the top of their conference last year, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they're, they, they might be able to do something this year. I'm surprised we haven't heard anything about Howard. You know, you mentioned your, your surprise team. Uh, Howard's women usually have been in the, in the mix uh, lately. Yeah, but. they've. They've had a few really close losses. I know one of their players got injured at the beginning of the season, so I'm sure they're adjusting because she was one of their, like, quote-unquote go-to players. But once conference play starts, as we all know, like, the non-conference records don't mean a lot once we get into conference play um, because we roll those balls out and it's different. I do think they will still finish towards the top of the MEAC, but – We'll see once conference play starts, but I think everyone's like looking at their record, like what is going on. But I'm I'm pretty sure they'll be fine. Drew, will you will you jump in on this? Because one of the things that I'm that I watch now is I watch these conference RPIs because you know you and I will get to talking in late February and March about the importance of your conference rating, and it should be noted that the SWAC right now out of 32 conferences, right, uh, has a conference RPI of 13. And I don't know if I've ever, since we've been doing this, Drew, (laughs) I don't know if I've ever noticed the SWAC being in the top 15. How about the first upper half of conferences for their women's basketball? Drew, explain a little bit how that, those conference RPIs work into favor at the end of the season? Well, basically, for those at-large teams, obviously they're going to seed out the top top 16. Uh, if you've done anything with these seedings, it goes in kind of a snake form. One, two, three, four, get the t- uh, all those four number one seeds that you typically see, east, southeast, midwest, and west. And then the, whoever number five goes in with the four, and number eight goes with the one, and they go through that through the through the top sixteen. Those are the top sixteen teams in the nation, regardless of whether they won conference championship or did not win conference championship. So they go through; they get all those teams out the way. 
all your let's see you do it what are there there's 30 i believe they're like 34 35 at large bids that go out there plus uh plus your conference champions it's 30 30 so by conference champions so as they go through and they see these teams the higher your conference rating gets once you get especially once you get past those power five teams that basically kind of determines what seed line you're going to go uh go on so if you're a conference champ and you you got a good conference rating that realistically means we are not playing on tuesday night mm, that, right. that, 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 that's what that means we should, you're, you're correct we should not be playing on <laughs> on on tuesday night because tuesday night or uh, there's two 16 games so there, there are 68 teams in a tournament so that's uh six, 64 65 where 65 66 67 and 68 those four teams play on tuesday night and then they have another game where the number 11 seeds play so what's that 11 times 11 times four so that's 44 through uh, 44 through 48 would tend to play on, on that playing game on that Tuesday night also so that they have some uh, uh some higher seeds. Now, I'm just going to throw something crazy out there. Wouldn't it be ironic if we had a rating high enough but we're not playing on Tuesday night in the 16 game but wind up playing in the 11 game wouldn't that just be like oh, the most ironic that. thing that, that. Would, wouldn't that be the most ironic thing that could happen to to us as hbcus <laughs> jesus if that were to happen um but but what but if that happens though drew and, and live uh and, and can we get thing, can we any chance the swack could maybe get two teams in like if the top two teams out of the swag, do make it through the tournament, get to the championship game. Could we? Could we all of a sudden maybe become a two bid league? Brian, now you're wishful tripping. thinking. Mm. You are you are tripping. Wishful thinking, huh? Wishful thinking. <laughs> now we would have very much so. <laughs> not buy it, huh? All right. What what would have to happen for something like that for us to get two teams in? Realistically, Brian, we would have to have a swag team. That is so dominant with P5 wins, which we have something with a P5 win, but we would have to have somebody when they're playing all those non conference games pick up four or five power five victories. And then that team in turn would have to lose in the tournament so that you get so that your automatic gets in. And then your at large is a team that's highly rated. So the moment I start seeing a SWAC team receiving votes in the top 25 then or a MEAC team, then we can start talking about possibly getting the second team in the, in the tournament. How, how about this scenario? I'm looking at statistics. I'm looking at net rating and quad one wins. Arkansas Pine Bluff, they're one and two in quad one games. I, who was that one win against, uh, Liv, that Arkansas Pine Bluff got? Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. Um, yes. So that's a, yeah, that's a quad one win. But then Jackson State has a net ranking of 109. So let's just, you know, let's just imagine Arkansas Pine Bluff and Jackson State running through the conference. I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll talk 
we'll talk about the likelihood of what that might look like. That's going to be tough. But let's just say they 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 beat each other up, split wins and losses, and then just run through the rest of the league. At that point in time, that we we might become a two bid league. I'm just saying. That be my there's also we one could. other thing that you have to uh, have to factor in that, Brian. Everybody, every other mid-major to lower major conference has to go according to chalk. That means that their conference champions has to turn around and win their conference tournament because that's what hurts te- uh, leagues like ours when we try to get that second team in. All it takes is that team that's supposed to get that automatic bid not getting that automatic bid, and then you have to find a way to sneak them in. So that's the other thing that would have to happen, Brian. I'm sorry, Liv. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Um, I was just going to say that scenario may work, but those two teams only play each other once. So I get what you're saying. I think in a few years that may be a possibility, but for this season, I think if – Someone said they JSU and UAPB, a few games did slip away that I thought were very winnable and just like were single digit losses. I think if we had more of those big wins under our belt, that could be possibly a conversation. But we no longer, the SWAC no longer even has a team ranked in the mid major top 25. So. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> you're just so, you're just a hopeful person. I, thank you. Thank you. You know what that means? Something. I, I, I do. I'm a glass half full, hopeful person. I get, beat up, I get beat up in a lot of places for being hopeful and optimistic, you know, but I, I, I appreciate that. Um, let's go over to the men. Um, the men, you know, obviously there have been a few big wins on the men's side as well. How about Southern? Mm-hmm. Look, shout out to Southern basketball, right. Southern University basketball, the men and women getting big wins against D1. Who, what's your top five look like on the men's side? So for sure, for me, Norfolk still is number one. They've been so consistent. I'm, I was very, I don't want to use the word disappointed because it's basketball, but I was disappointed that they left New York with zero wins. And yes, the mm. teams they played, the teams they played were good, but to me, those were very winnable games for them and they dropped both of them. Um, and then they went, they lost to UTEP and I watched that game and it was down to the wire and they missed some free throws at the end and ended up losing. But then they turned around and beat South Dakota State. I mean, their their resume is really good this year and leading the way of consistent um, Division One wins. And then Tennessee State is up there for me as well. And there are people really don't like talk about, but they're seven and six. They've gotten this month, though, has been very bad for them. I will say that. But they've been playing pretty solid basketball. They have some really good players on the team. And then North Carolina Central, they just picked up that win against Longwood, who was ranked in the mid-major top 25. At that time, they only had one loss. Longwood was 12-1, and and North Carolina Central beat them at home. That was a huge win for them. Um Obviously, Jackson State, I thought they have those two big wins. And then the showing at the HBCU Classic, they looked good. They came back against Howard, pulled out the win. And then they beat North Carolina a and I thought they looked good both games. And I 
I, they're a team I'm really intrigued to see how they continue through conference play. And then Southern, beating a nationally ranked team, I don't care what month of the year it is, was so big. They were in the SEC, and then they've also been continuously winning since that game. They have really good momentum. Um, they're building off of each other. They're another team, too, that has a really good guard. They have posts who can score. Those are really the teams. An honorable mention is going to be Delaware. They're kind of – they're a sleeper team. They're – they are six and nine, so they have a losing record, but they've picked up some really good wins this season. Those are the teams that have stood out to me. But I've, as I've been watching through these men's games, there is a lot of good teams. Like Howard is a good team, um, but they just they seem to not be able to pull games out at the end when it matters. And I said this earlier, the swack is really going to come down to which post player wants to be the most dominant because every single team has a really elite scoring guard. And that's pretty much their go-to person is that guard. So it's going to come down to whose big man wants to be dust recently ranked they were the longest team within the ranking and their women's team is still ranked in the mid-major top 25 so both of their teams they're pretty much they're both men and women are doing so well to start this season uh drew you got anything you want to jump in there and ask live yeah, Liv, I know you uh, primarily focus on the Division Ones, especially the SWAC, uh, mm-hmm. but I kind of uh, followed the Division Twos and the NAIAs also. But I'm mm-hmm. just going to ask you a general question about schedule format. Mm-hmm. At the lower levels, we see that they begin their conference play. Some of them begin as early as November. A couple of conferences even begin before Thanksgiving on the lower levels where on the division one level it seems like everybody waits until after christmas and then tries to cram in 16 18 20 games within those eight weeks after mm-hmm. after uh christmas what and then as a former player what do you say about those, that type of schedule do you would you prefer that the schedule be kind of spread out where you can kind of get a couple of conference games in, play a couple of non-conferences before you get into the beat of the schedule? Or do you like the fact that you, you're almost literally playing every other day, you know, three games a week once you come mm-hmm. back from Christmas break? Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I liked playing twice a week, but that was just me because I loved playing. Um, I understand the format because coaches want to be at their – it's like you want to be playing good basketball come conference time and then great basketball come March. So I think that format would never change because if someone plays someone earlier and then they slip up and they lose, they're going to be like, man, we should have waited till February to put them on the schedule. But, yeah, like, for instance, the CIA, they've most of them have played three to four conference games already. Um, Same thing with the SIAC. Yeah. So I, I understand that. That format, I think, you know, with the traveling that comes in conference and then you're hosting at home, I just, I understand why it's that way. Teams, I really think it comes down to teams just want to be playing the best basketball. And then most other division one 
like schools, they follow that format as well. So when we're playing these money games, people don't want to be like playing a random team in the middle of March or February when they're like getting ready for the Big Ten tournament and then slip up and have a loss at the end of the season or something like that. Yeah, and for those who are not familiar with that uh, format on the Division Two, most most of the time you played your uh, cross divisional games in November and December, and then you stay within division once you come back in January. And like mm-hmm. you say, that that reduces the travel, so you're only playing your side usually when you come back. And I've coached I've coached both ways when I was coaching. What we had where we had the schedule starting early and then the schedule starting, you know, January and trying to cram everything in. So I've seen it both ways. Go ahead. Go ahead, Liam, Brian. Uh, I, I saw you give a, a shout out to our guy, Coach Chris Wright in Langston, uh, who are currently yes, okay. in the nation. Number two in the nation. Yes. And I, last year I uh, one of my friends is a coach on that coaching staff. So I was very in tune with Langston basketball last year and they were nationally ranked almost the entire year last year. He has turned that program into one of the best NAI programs in the nation. And to be honest, I threw it out there. I said, I would love for a D1 HBCU team to throw Langston on their schedule next year, because that would not be a walk in the park. And I then... That'd be a bad day for somebody. I was, and I added schools. <laughs> it, I added schools. I was like, if you claim you're as good as you are, throw them on your schedule. And Coach Chris Wright was like, we got two open slots. Who's trying to? <laughs> who's trying to add us in? Coach Ooh. Coach Chris Wright trying to do trying to uh, interview for a job with that. If he gets that dub, that's what that is. <laughs> hey, what hasn't He's, he done? We've been um, we've been following Coach Wright for what about four or five years, Drew. And I yeah, mean, the, the, man, days. the man can coach, he can recruit. Uh, like you said, what he's doing at Langston is is big time. Big time. No, he, he was at uh, Talladega. And they are still currently. Yep. And he had the he brought a few of his players and assistants down there to Langston with him. And they just they have a well-oiled machine. I know they hit the portal for this recruiting class and they get they get high major, like mid-major D1 dudes, D2 dudes who are the best players on their team to come play for them. So it's definitely like they can play for real and they're still undefeated. I'm excited to see how they progress because last year they did drop the first game when it came to the national tournament. Um, But they're playing well right now. And also since we're talking about undefeated teams, Benedict men's basketball team at D2, they're still undefeated um, now on their break, and they're nationally ranked at number eight right now. Well, they're up and to so, eight now. It was 12 last yes. week. Last, okay, what, up to eight. What, what, what is in the water on that side of the street with Benedict uh, that's not in the water when you go across the street to Allen? <laughs> I just want to know. Because not You're wrong for that, Drew. Your- You're wrong for that. Well, let's think about it. Your football team went through the regular season undefeated, mm-hmm. and now your basketball team has come undefeated. These these bros uh, don't they got something going on over there? They got some special kind of training and everything going on over there when it comes to the men's athletics right now at Benedict. I'm, I'm just saying, Coach Washington, I don't know what you're doing over there, 
but keep on administrating the way you administrate. I'm gonna leave it right there. Um, any uh, any women's teams that have caught your eye on the Division Two or NAIA level? Yep. So Virginia State, um, they've been off to a great start. They're ten and one right now, and three and one in conference. They just lost a, a game two games ago, but they're actually number 19 nationally ranked. Um, so we have teams at every level that have either at the D one level, we have had two teams touch the mid major 20 mid major top 25. We have D two teams ranked. We have an NAIA team ranked. Um, and also, uh, Fayetteville State right now, they're off to a great start. They're nine and one overall. They're three and oh in conference. And there's at the D2 level, especially in the CIAA, there's really, really good basketball being played right now. And I know I can do a better job. I get so caught up in everything, but they there's really good basketball. And also, last one, Florida Memorial last night played Florida Gulf Coast. They took them into overtime and they only Ooh. lost by they only lost by three. And that's because FGCU got off a three at the last second. And so that's crazy for an NAIA HBCU to go toe to toe with a division one team till the very, very, very end. So I was like, man, that was so exciting. I woke up this morning and saw that. And so it's just really, I'm glad that, you know, HBCUs at every single level are putting on, not even just for basketball, but obviously for football they've done it for softball they've done it for volleyball and so all sports are just kind of they're healing their own and those are things we love to see and correct me if i'm wrong both florida memorial men and women are uh, having outstanding seasons this uh, year yes they are they are all right so this brings me to a great question that i i it just came to me it's been germinating in the back of my head um we, we and Drew, and we're going to bring Liv in to help us determine this. This year, the BCSN Sports Wrap, we're going to do uh, the best basketball program, men and women. So we're going to take the men and the women, and we're going to say which school is the best basketball school. So we're going to mm -hmm. take the men, take the women, and we're going to say, like, right now, I would say, like, Southern. Two, two programs that are playing well. Jackson State, two programs playing well. We just mentioned Florida Memorial, two mm -hmm. programs playing well. We got to find some other nominees out there. But I think uh, look at look at my look at Miles on the Division Two uh, level. Yeah, Miles, Miles, Miles and, and, and Tuskegee, men and women. I believe the women lost their first game and have not lost since. Norfolk uh, State, Norfolk State, season. men and women. So like like a basketball school award, you know, like maybe we have a top five basketball schools in HBCU, something like that that says, you know, yes, your men, your men are great, but the women are greater. Yes. The women are great in the men, you know, so I don't know somehow we got to find a way to do this because I think a lot of times what gets lost in the sauce is, you know, we think men sometimes and we forget about the great ball that the women are playing or vice versa. You know, if the women are a dominant historic program, Maybe you forget about the men. I would even throw Xavier in that mix. Xavier men and women have. So I, I just, I just, throw Bethune in there. 
And uh, I hate, and I hate to say that. that. I'm just kidding. I guess we can throw it through. <laughs> I was about to, like you, I was about to say, they're both, both of those programs have been, they're both nationally ranked in multiple categories. Yes, they have dropped some games, but they are both respectively leading their right, divisions right. of the flag. Liv, if you as a former player who actually led and gave sweat on the court, I'm just watching in the fans and on the sideline, right? I'm watching on TV. But if you can support Bethune, I will find a way to do it as well. I, but, I mean, if, if you if you turn the other cheek, I, man, you won't see me again. I'm just going to let you know. All right? So, yes, we can include Bethune. But, yeah, no, we need to come up with that. I think that would be a very cool thing to do in 2024 and do like a top five basketball schools where we look at mm-hmm. the men, the women, and now uh, we just figure a way how to do it that way. You, what do you guys think about that? Good idea, bad idea? What do you think? That sounds like, like a work for me but, after that time, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just, there will have to be specific criteria because then people are going to be like, well, how did you come to that? Why did you pick that? Like, just criteria. But I think that's a, that's a good idea and also be the best coach across all divisions, women and men, just the top coach of the basketball season. Okay, we got some stuff to work on in 2024. (laughs) I'm going to let you help draft that criteria because, you know, we're analytics guys. We put up numbers and we look at the numbers and then people will be fussing about, oh, well, that team beat so-and-so. And And then Drew will tell them, Mm -hmm. but the numbers say this. And then I got to turn and look and say, yeah, Drew said the numbers. So we're going (laughs) to – <laughs> we go. We're gonna find hey, a way. These folks trying to been, been trying to buy me a new computer for the last four years. Even though I bought three in the last four years, but and I don't care if I buy a Mac or a PC. It ain't good enough for y'all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, you you watch when we come out with the BCSN top five in January, which is all computer based rankings. Live so you know we let the computers do the talking. We know you you do a great job of evaluating everything you see on the floor. But sometimes we let the computers do the talking. So when you see our rankings, our rankings are all computer-based, all numbers, all analytic numbers-driven. So that's why sometimes people, they get in their feelings, especially at the beginning of the season. But guess what, Drew? What always happens at the end? Usually it comes out about right. Market correction. Market Market corrects itself. Right. All right, uh, Liv, let me get you out of here. What? uh, So any any up – let me – okay, I'll, I'll ask this one question. Best win on the women's side is by who against who? Best win? It has to be UAPB versus Arkansas in Fayetteville. And that was the first ever Power 5 win that UAPB had. So that was that was it for me. All right. Best win on the men's side against who? I mean, there's only one team that beat a nationally ranked team. Hey, and it was Southern versus... Mississippi State. I don't care. People can say whatever they want. They beat a nationally ranked team, not a mid to top 25 team, a top NCAA ranked division one team in the top 25. So, and they did it on their floor. So for me, that was the best win so far this season, but there are, there's still a few games left. Uh, Most teams play one or two games and Norfolk, I know they go to Tennessee. There's still a few ones on there where it's there could be some big W's before December's over. All right, Dim Boys, I, I love that. That is a great. Uh, that's a great. There you go. Um, like when pitch black in here. Um, great suggestion. Live versus the computer. That's new segment. 
Live versus the computer. There we go. There we go, Drew. We'll see. We'll see. There we go. We're going we're gonna to add some fire to this one. Uh, live versus the computer. All right, um, Live. Uh, give a shout out. Let people know where they can uh, where they can follow you, where they can support all the all the good stuff. Um. Okay. One second. Cause some. Yes, I know JSU beat Missouri, but Missouri was not nationally ranked. They were both SEC teams, and one was nationally ranked, and the other was not. Was that a good win? Of course it was. But come on now, it was a great win though. It was. I'm. A, I always respect basketball because they've been putting on, but. I just had to say that because I saw the comment. But you can follow me on Twitter at Live for Hoops on my YouTube Live for Hoops on January fifth, uh, the night of January fifth. I will be doing a live stream recap of the non-conference play and conference play for the SWAC. And this will only be a SWAC talk, but it's on January sixth, so I'll be going over the opening day games, what to expect, who are my picks to win. So you should subscribe to my YouTube. It's just Live for Hoops. Um, the conference play it will be a lot more, but for sure follow me on Twitter because I'm extremely active on there, and I think I provide good information. So that's right. It's Live for Hoops or Die Lonely. Period. There you go. Uh, there's, your, there, there, there's, your, there's your slogan. There's right the bad, there. there's there, the bad there's, joke of the week. There's your slogan right there. Live for hoops or, or die lonely. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, yes, Roy. Roy asked. I already talked to Liv. I know Liv. Liv, Liv is down to do some games. We just got to get her. We just got to get her on a flight out of Minneapolis. Yeah, it's going. It's about to be cold, so she'll be ready to get out of Minneapolis pretty soon. So, the minute, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there we go. So, all right, uh, Liv, uh, Merry Christmas to you, your family, um, and uh, and everything. I, I appreciate you. We appreciate you in all the spaces and places that you've uh, made a difference this year, not only with the ONG, but with us, and just everything in the HBCU diaspora. You are a great, I guess I could say new, but you're, you're an excitingly new voice in this space. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that people are gravitating towards your content. So Merry Christmas to you, Liv. Yes. Merry Christmas. Thank you guys for having me on. And Brian, thank you for your nice words. It, it means a lot. So thank you guys. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the BCSN sports Wrap right here on the black college sports network. Supermarket sushi. Really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time.
This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471. thamptonlaw.com Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, again, thank you to uh, Olivia and Tella for joining us in the last segment. Hopefully, you got a good taste of some basketball talk. Um, you know, we're starting to slowly creep in with the basketball talk now. So, um, good, to, good to see. I was, I was genuinely excited to see that when she gave the shout-out to, to Langston. Because, uh, again, Drew, you know, we've been – We've been talking about Coach Wright, you know, and so um, winner. That that's it, right next to his name, winner. The dude just he knows how to get it done. I, you know, I'm, you know, just just love it. And and uh, yeah, but I really think that basketball schools thing would be really cool to kind of do. So, all right, uh, before we get into the top five, the BCSN final top five football rankings. I got to talk about, I saw we got a comment from Southbound 3000. Um, the uh, the other one. Um, all right. We got to talk, and he says, we got to talk about our HBCUs not supporting the Celebration Bowl. Now, I don't, you know, I, I don't, now what, what are we quantifying that support in? Are, are we... Are we quantifying that based on the viewership numbers, which that story? Well, but I mean, you say the stands, Roy. I mean, but 41,000 people showed up. 
third largest crowd, third largest over 40,000. And this is year eight. So, well, okay, but still, you know, that's me being being a rattler, okay? Um, Roy going to make a comment. He need to go ahead and grab a mic so we can hear him. Well, no, he he was just – he said thirty. He was reiterating the fact that thirty thousand was was my, me, me saying thirty thousand. That came from family. I don't know how accurate that is. I, it did look like there were a lot of us <clears throat> over them, them being Howard. But, hey, hey, Brian, let me cut you off. We want to talk about attendance. You know, no, I, I didn't want to. I didn't. This, I didn't no, I didn't but really I, I want to bring But I want to bring up something so we can put this one to bed, Brian. This was <laughs> the third most attended yes. celebration bowl exactly. Exactly. in history. Third and, over 40,000. Okay. Third consecutive over 40,000. Yes. Okay. Now, so we had the record is 49-670, which was last year, uh, Jackson State and Central. Jackson State, South Carolina was 48 6 Five, three. So let's just let's just call it for what it is, Brian. Let's just say the prime effect was worth seven thousand, seven to eight thousand. Yeah. Correct. So what what you did not have this year was a a number of casual fans because we could we can consider those seven to eight thousand casual fans. Now the question is. Is this 41 going to be the one-off because of the brands that were there? Because we had two national brands that were there, Florida AM and Howard. Outside right. of you know, outside of Jackson State being there, this was probably next as far as brand recognition. This was probably the best one. And Central, Central and Howard are probably the only two brands left in the MIAC. No, I don't know if Norfolk will be considered a national brand. I don't think so. They, they're probably they're probably tier two when it comes to national branch. And Central is really tier two, except for the fact that they're hot right now. But Howard is really the only national brand that is left in the MIAC now. I agree. Whereas, whereas the SWAC, you have national brand, Florida A&M, national brand, Jackson State, National brand, Southern, national brand, Grambling. Now, problem with Grambling is Grambling doesn't travel like those other three SWAC schools that I mentioned. But if you're just talking about brand on a national level, yes, Grambling, because of Eddie Robinson and the history with Eddie Robinson, has brand recognition. Now, here's here's something else, Brian. The 41,000 is the largest attendance in the uh in the celebration bowl if you take if you take the two Jackson State appearances out this is this is the largest in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium Merce- let's go back to the history first celebration bowl 35 528 is that that's number 4 all time 35 528 Celebration Bowl 2, Grambling Central, 31096. So let's, let's do some math. But what has taken Jackson State 
I don't. What? Why take them out of the picture? I don't. I don't get that. No, I was. I was just. I was just bringing it. Bringing oh, the, the fact pri- that okay, the prime uh, effect. I got since, it. Okay. since since we moved to the bins, you know, when those this is the largest nine Jackson State game since we since the game was moved to the bins. First game in the bins, Brian, twenty five eight seventy three. Next game, that was a uh, that was A and T Grambling. Next one. A and T Alcorn 31 672. Then you had uh in 19 AT Alcorn the rematch 329668. So you know, A first time in five, six, seven. First time, actually, the first time since Celebration Bowl one. No, since Celebration Bowl two, that you've had two, you know, two new two new participants. No, let me take that back. So uh, a couple of years ago, we had two new participants. So there, there are a lot of different dynamics that that you can read into this. So let's. I guess what I'm trying to go, Brian. We still don't have enough data to make a truly deep analysis because when you think about it brian howard it is the fourth MIAC team to participate in the in the celebration bowl only four MIAC teams swack has had one two three four five swack teams and the swack and and the fifth swack team is a former MIAC team so let, let, let's just sit back and collect more data. That's that's the only thing I want to go with with the uh, attendance. Now we can talk about the viewership if you're ready to get to that one. Well, I, okay. So the back to the original question. The original question was about supporting the Celebration Bowl. And I think there's two different ways that you support the Celebration Bowl. And that's by being in attendance or watching it. Okay. I think both of those are factor into that whole our HBCUs watching the Celebration Bowl. Um, and I would say the hardcore, the diehards are watching. HBCU Nation watched. Um, the numbers were over a million. You had the most people, the second most watched FCS game, third most watched bowl game that day. Um, the most watched HBCU football game of the season was all that day. Okay. Um, the attendance, you already gave the numbers third consecutive 40,000. I mean, I know we, a lot of times, a lot of times we want more. It's, it's like, it's like writing a headline and, and I, you know, don't a headline can be misleading. And, and I think the initial headline that I read from HBCU sports um, kind of talked about the lowest number of viewers, you know, so on and so forth, right? But the, there's there's perspective that needs to to be taken in consideration of average viewers. Like you had other things go on that day, right? You had NFL games, you had other bowl games, you know. So and about- I believe there were, if correct me if I'm wrong, there were two bowl games and an NFL game on concurrent. With at at the, some point during the first half, with yeah. The, with the Celebration Bowl. Yeah, at some point during the first half, there was. 
And then, the, and, and let's oh. be real, there, there, there's always a basketball game on du- during that time. Yeah, but but again, go back to the, the 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 main question about support. Now, you know, does the engagement, did the engagement, and I guess you'd have to wait for more numbers to find out from the Celebration Bowl. And uh, you know, I know I know Mr. Grant always kind of catches our show and watches every now and then. I'd love to know social media engagement. Was it? How did it track? Did the did the band of the year competition? help you know with the tracking of engagement um i think everybody is starting to buy into the idea that the celebration bowl is a destination bowl event now whether your team is in it or not okay is you know it's one of those things where you know to each his own but i will just say my own experience from having been there when my team wasn't in it i had a heck of a time I enjoyed it. I loved it. It felt like the Super Bowl. And those of you, if you ever get a chance to go, if you are an NFL fan, you want to be in the whole city of a Super Bowl that weekend going into the game. Because it's like, you know, being drunk off your favorite sport. It's there. And if you love HBCUs, love HBCU football, you want to be at the Celebration Bowl. You do. You want to be there. And there are a lot of events, a lot of shows, whether it be our shows, other networks, a lot of people doing stuff and everybody's getting smart and creative and you're hosting stuff at locations at different sites, the parties. We know the eight, we know there's a party going on on every block. Right. So I, I, I will, I will clap back to a degree and say that the HBCU, you know, diaspora didn't show up. Uh, I think they showed up. And now the question is, can we keep that momentum? And, I, and I'll say this final thought. If Howard sustains their level of success, their slow growth, the two-time conference champs, if they turn that into an eight-win, nine-win season next year, okay, and they get back to the Celebration Bowl again, I think you will see twice as many Howard fans as you saw this year. Yeah. That's my final thought. All right. Uh, I think it was Israel brought it up. With all due respect, Israel. Uh, Alcorn is not a national brand. <laughs> oh, we're you, talking about I, that national brand. I, 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 I got to go back, and, and Tamara is uh, defending us in the uh, chat. That's why I want to go back and uh, help Tamara out. Israel, if you could name somebody on a national level outside of Steve McNair that has, in reference to Alcorn football, please drop it in because. It, the only the only way non HBCU fans know about Alcorn is because of Steve Air McNair. All so right. you know when we, when we talk about those other schools that I'm in, I mean Southern not only has NFL Hall of Famers, but they but they but they've got uh, the band to go with it. Jackson State not only has the band, but they have Hall of Famers. Florida A and M. Hall of Famers, Howard, you know, Howard has celebrities that goes with them along with the vice president, along with, you know, the color commentator of the game and Jay Walker. So Howard has a lot going for it when it comes to that, that national brand. I'm sorry. Alcorn just doesn't have a whole lot 
to associate with it once you get past Steve Air McDare. And, and Brian, also, Look, I, I've I've talked to people who are all corner alums, and I and I've said the same thing. So you know, okay. and and they know they they understand where I'm coming from when I say that. Also, one other thing that people don't know is the George, excuse me, the Georgia, the Mercedes Benz Stadium, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the week of the Celebration Bowl had the Georgia high school championships there. So they turned that stadium over from Wednesday to Friday to get it prepared for actually from Wednesday to Thursday to get it prepared for the battle of the bands because just like the football teams got their walkthroughs on Friday, the bands had their walkthroughs on Thursday. So because because of that, and this is the first time that the Georgia High School Championships have been back in the dome since I believe 2018 or 2017. So, you know, just the fact that they happen to occur the same week because it got moved back a week this year. You know, a lot of casual fans did not want to go back down to the dome the second time that were in the Atlanta area. All right, uh, Tamara with the with a walk off shot. You can drop the mic on that one, Tamara. You, you can just just push the keyboard away. Don't say anymore. Don't say anymore. You just... <laughs> no. uh, um, all right, y'all gonna learn to start. Y'all gonna learn to argue with Tamara T. Y'all gonna leave my girl alone. Leave my sister girl alone. You. I I I got your back, man. Uh, okay. Hey, um, I, I appreciate the question. Appreciate the thought. Um. You know, I, I I would love I can't wait to see more metrics from social media engagement uh, regarding the Celebration Bowl. But um, again, I, I think. Fast forward, I think as and, and here's what I've noticed, Drew, as the conversation begins to talk more about adding not just hear me out, not just a day in which, you know, all props to the to the Beach Bowl. But not, but when you have a day in which maybe you have a CIAA SIEC matchup, maybe the night before, or maybe you have that playoff that people are clamoring for. And I've heard, I think Doc's show talked about it, where what would it look like if you had took the top four HBCU football teams, you know, the top two from the MEAC versus the top two from the SWAC, and then you had a playoff? What would that look like? I, I think. The, I mean, just the creativity is coming, and I mean, but it, but it just can't happen instantly because we got to get people lathered up for it, and I think that's what that's what's happening more and more as people are getting lathered up for it, and so um, let's hey, do that. Uh, let, let me get a piece of that. How many years did we clamor back in the mythical national championship days? That lasted for over 70 years on the 1A University FBS level. Over, over, over 70 years, over 80 years. We did not even get the two teams meeting for a championship until 1998, everybody. And then that lasted a few years. Then they improved upon that 
with what we have now going to the 14 playoff. But even in the era where it was just the top two, what was it? The uh the BC not the BCS. BCS. Yeah. Yeah. When it was the BCS, even though they got the top two teams, there was still arguments about who the top two teams was. Third, and they had to come up with where they had to come up with the formula just to get the top two. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah. they, they were going with computers. They were going with with they were going with the uh, the newspapers at that time. Uh, AP, UPI, CNE, I mean uh, USA Today. They were going with those polls. Then they came up with this. You remember the one year, or a couple of years, they had this formula where they had about 12, 13 different ranking systems. Yes, I remember they, that. I remember, I remember that. that. <laughs> and then they finally, and then they finally scrapped that after about a decade. And went to the 14 playoff that we have right now. And now people you, still you, not you see all and people still not satisfied. Hell, what look what's happening across the railroad tracks. They get the, the conference is suing Florida State to try to keep Florida State from leaving. And I'm still trying to figure out why the hell are y'all worried about this if the, the thing is going for four to twelve next year. Why are Thank we worried you. about a freaking conference? That's not the argument. That's not wait a minute. That's not the argument for leaving the conference. Right. You know, right. if you talk about TV money and all that stuff, I get that argument. But the fact you got left out the playoffs this year, you miss me with but, that but one because they're going to twelve next year. Even the even the TV money is sort of like okay. There, there's this thought, and I, I forgot what the principle is called, but there's a belief that once you've made so much money, your life really doesn't change by adding more. Like like the difference between a guy who makes thirty million and sixty million. Look, I I know you're gonna say, oh, he's got thirty more million. I get the joke, I get it. But in terms of like, does your life really change if you're a thirty millionaire versus a sixty millionaire? No. So in the world of college athletics, if you're making 50 million as a school and the other schools making 25 million as a school, is there, are you really changing? Is there, is, is your life any better? Are your facilities any better? Really? I mean, are you adding more sports, more players than the other school that's got 20 million more? Probably not. I, this is all, all I can't, I can't quantify this. So, for the quantifiable crowd out there to stay, stay out my mentions, but I'm just saying there's no change. So you suing, you got, think about this, Drew, you're going, you're going, you're going to give up $500 million to get out of a deal that's paying you 20, man, look, we, we can't get, we can't go down this road, but, but, but what you just said, Drew, I know you're upset this one year, but guess what? The league's going to 12 teams. You won't be left out. Now, unless you're the 13th and, team, and, then you'll and, be left and out. Thir- now, and, and, and all you're doing is kicking the can down the road from number five number to number 13. 13 to be upset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody is going to be upset no matter what. Hey, hey, Brian, we see it every year <laughs> in, uh, come March. T- when it was 64, team number 65. 65, when it was yeah. 60, when it was 68, team number 69. Every year, we're going to see it. Hell, we upset that the dog on the teams have Women. a shot at winning the and title. And we, upset, we upset that the NIT won't take our conference champion if they don't make it to the dog on NCAAs. But, you know, are, are we saying we're not playing basketball anymore? Are we, are we running the movie conferences? No. You suck it Nobody up and you deal with it. it. Nobody will say it. People that, sit on their hands and not, not say it. 
before we before we move on to the uh to the uh to the rankings man i i just got to get this shout out and and a long to- long time mentor of mine uh coached against him coached with him uh in tuskegee alabama uh coach thomas talbert uh reason i, I can bring this up on this show because he is a 1970 i want to say 1973 graduate of alabama state university played basketball at alabama state university but he was he's been a long time coach in tuskegee and macon county and i just want to give him a shout out they finally named the gym after this man after uh over 30 years with the macon county school system uh coached all those years uh at two of the high schools there in 1977 thank you royal uh I see Royal Maxwell is on and Royal played full time uh, in high school. Royal is a Jackson State graduate. But I just wanted to shout out uh, Coach Tom uh, and congratulate him on getting uh, the the gym named after him uh, at Booker T. Washington High School. Obviously, another historic name that references back to uh, HBCU uh, with Booker T being the first principal at Tuskegee University. So Coach T from the bottom of my heart, I couldn't make it down to uh, Tuskegee today, but uh, well wishes to uh, you and uh, and the fam and uh, everybody, uh, yeah, Eagle Nation, Golden Eagles. Love y'all. Okay, let's go to the BCSN top Five final top five football rankings for the 2023 season. And again, our top five rankings, which begin after the first four weeks of the football season, are really a computer generated ranking of teams' performance, uh, taking into consideration. Huh? Okay, I'm not. Re- what? What are you telling me? <laughs> I don't know. My producer's telling me something here. Um, okay. I, I mean, you're in, I, I don't know what, well, the top. Okay. So I'm in a groove. You you guys. Okay. Anyway, top five rankings. Live. We live, uh, Brian. Remember we live. I, I know, I know, but I, you know, my producer's shouting in my ear about some, I don't know what he's shooting me in the ear about, but anyway. Producer needs I to give us some, some inner ear, you know, inner ear pieces so we can hear that stuff without everybody I don't want to enter earpiece with this producer who gives me irrelevant information <laughs> at, the wrong, at the wrong time and moment. Okay, let's start with the non-division one level. Non-division one level are teams that just missed the top five. So we call the next five. Essentially, this might be your six through ten. Okay, they were in the hunt during the season. In the hunt during the season. It starts with Miles College. Uh, finished their season six, seven, and three. Six and two out of the SIC. Fayetteville State uh, made it to the CIAA championship game for the, I believe, the sixth consecutive year. I see the five or uh, six. Yeah, eight and three, eight and no in the Southern Division. Tuskegee, Drew's alma mater, finishes their season seven and four, six and two in the SIC. Edward Waters University, great year by the Tigers, uh, Coach Morgan. Over there, uh, six and four, five and three in conference play. Uh, and then Johnson C. Smith finishes out, rounds out the top 
10, six through 10 by uh, finishing their season seven and four, six and two. Uh, technically, uh, okay, no, they 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 went to the uh, bowl game, the Florida Beach Bowl. And, that was uh, that, that was the fourth. Yeah, that was number right. four. And what I found interesting, Brian, and I think because uh, coming into that last game, Allen was sitting in that nine ten slot, and the fact that they played an extra Division two game, even though it was it was a loss, and Allen had that one game on their schedule that was not counted. I believe that was week two against a non countable opponent. I think that's the reason why the computer kicked Allen out and bumped Johnson C. Smith in despite the loss. All right, let's get into the final top five rankings. Finishing the 2023 season at number five, Florida Memorial. The Florida Memorial Lions finish six and four, five and two in the Sun Conference. A great season for Florida Memorial as they uh, really set some uh some first time some first within their play in the sun conference and and this is a program uh what drew they they reinstituted their football program during in the a pandemic. pandemic yeah d- 2020 during the pandemic so uh this is just season four i think they'll be an exciting team to watch and keep track of uh because they had more than a couple games where they had over like 600 yards of offense. I mean, a couple games where they even hit the 700 mark. So, I believe they hit 500 against uh, who did they play out the swag? Was they Grambling? Southern Grambling. Grambling. They Southern did hit over Grambling. 500 against Grambling. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations to Florida Memorial. Number four, Virginia State Trojans, eight and two, six and two in conference play out of the CIAA. And no one will forget. Virginia State was rolling, got the opening season win against Norfolk State, and then I think they ran off seven in a row before they stumbled, and then they lost two of the last three, including uh, their game against their rival, Virginia Union. Correct. Number three, Fort Valley State. Uh, The Wildcats finished the Florida Beach Bowl champions. Uh, eight and three, six and two in conference play. Uh, you know, this is a team, Drew, that I, I'm glad to see the computers thought as highly of this team as I did in some of my polls because I had Fort Valley State as a top five team, and I know a lot of people's polls did not. Um, so I was, I was glad to see the computers were thinking like I was based on the performance I saw on the field. Um, So congrats to Fort Valley State finishing number three. Number two, Virginia Union. 10-2 season, uh, 7-1. They won their first CIAA football championship for the first time in uh, uh, over 20-something years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Programs going in the right direction. Second year in the Division II playoffs. And uh, what Dr. Parker is doing with those guys is uh, is really impressive. And and Union is a team that I think is here to stay um, in the in the mix. Our number one team, the Benedict Tigers for the second consecutive year. Benedict. Tell me, got to put the one finger up like he a church the next time he do that. Yeah, yeah excuse me. <laughs> Benedict, Benedict, eleven and one, 
uh, eight no, um, second year in a row that uh, Coach Chinnisberry led that team to an unbeaten regular season. Only other time that happened, or the the last time that happened in the HBCU football world, was Connell Maynard doing it at Winston Salem State. Uh, and uh, you know, Coach Berry goes on after his success at Benedict. He'll be now coaching at South Carolina State, and I think we're still waiting to see who will take over the Benedict job. But uh, you know, in 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 summation, congratulations to Benedict College uh, and what they've done, and whoever it is. Uh, hopefully they continue on with the tradition because Coach Barry has left it better than when he got there. And at the end of the day, that's what it should always be about as a coach or even an administrator. Um, your thoughts, anything you want to add on Benedict, Drew? No, I mean, a uh, great, great run there by, by Benedict. Uh, question is, like you said, who's going to be there and can they sustain it? How many players from Benedict are going to try to follow coach Barry to South Carolina state or to other, other schools. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in Columbia, South Carolina. Cause I've got those same questions about Allen, right. Who's right across the street from Benedict. So, uh, but once again, kudos, congratulations for, uh, for Coach Barry, you did what you you were supposed to do. Now it's time to move on and see if you can duplicate it and see how long it takes you to get to Atlanta, my brother. That's the second consecutive year Benedict has won uh, or will be recognized as the BCSN National Champions. The three playing seasons before these two it was Bowie State. Bowie State had a three-peat from 2018, 2019, and 2021. Obviously, there was no BCSN football champion awarded. In I, I believe Bowie won four consecutive, uh, Brian. Did, did we not do one in 17? You, you got me. You got me. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at 17. I'm not sure because I think 18 was Amir Hall's. Amir Hall's senior year was 2018. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go over to the men's. Uh, not the men's. We uh, Division one. <laughs> they are the men. The big boys. Uh, the Division one FCS level top five final rankings for the 2023 season. Uh, schools that were in the hunt uh, and would finish six through ten if it was a normal top ten. As you can see, four schools out of the swag. But number six is Hampton, which Hampton finished five and six, three and five in the Colonial. A pretty good season for Hampton. Um, many people picked them to finish dead last. Uh, they, I, I think they had a couple of injuries that wrecked the season in the middle. But uh, there, was even, there was even a point where, you know, somebody – Somebody on this show might rank them number one at one point in the season. You know, I don't, I don't know who that was, but I, I'll take, I, I'll take part of that. Huh? Yeah, they they were at one time, and then it kind of it kind of went south after that. But uh, Jackson State finishes seven and four, five and three. Um, obviously, it hurt the last lost the last game of the season. I think that hurt them. 
Uh, Prairie View finished the season six and six. Winners of the SWAC West lost in the championship game for the second time in the last three seasons. And uh, what what her Prairie View was zero nine conference wins. Yeah, exactly. Six and six and two was what was needed to be done. Um, you know, uh, Southern with by nature of probably winning the Bayou Classic. Now head coach Terrence Graves uh, will look to see what he can do in a full season for Southern. Uh, they finished six and five, five and three last year. And then Alabama A&M comes in last 10th, uh, uh, five and six overall, three and five. Brian, Second- we had we had we had to find 10 and Alabama A&M was like the best of the rest. Yeah, what, what's interesting. <laughs> What's re- interesting is among FCS schools, uh, I think there were only eight that finished with a 500 or better record. Correct me if I'm wrong. There were only eight. Yeah, if you look at our top ten, two of our top ten are one game below 500. Yeah. So you are, yeah. you are correct. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and you know Alabama and m second consecutive sub 500 season. So. Um, we'll see interesting times ahead for coach Connell Maynard. All right, let's get to the top five. Let's see what they look like. Number five, Tennessee state coach, Eddie George. Um, a good, I would say he's going on the right direction under, under, under disappointing season because the, the season started well. I thought the first half of the season they were they were pacing like this could be a team that wins the OVC, and then the second half of the season, I, the, I, o- the OVC happened. Yeah, the OVC happened. That's a good way of saying <laughs> it. Yeah, it, it just kind of it, it bit them, and I think that's the that's the next step. You know, they fared well against HBCU competition. I don't think did they lose a game against an HBCU team. I don't think they did. I don't recall one. They beat. They, they would have gone four and zero if I'm not mistaken. If I, if I look at if you look at their record, uh, I think they let's see six. They would have played five non conference games. I think four of those were against HBCUs. I think they went unbeaten. Here's an interesting thought, Drew. What if a Tennessee State who goes unbeaten in an HBCU schedule non conference, then somehow maybe wins the OVC? Let's just say that record was four and two instead of two and four. Then they would have been eight and three. How much of an argument, and then they would have gone to the playoffs. How much of an argument would a team like Tennessee State have made towards having a claim to a black college national championship? It takes multiple wins in the FCS playoffs with a comparable record as whoever your HBCU national champion celebration bowl winner is and given given this year with florida a&m finishing 12 and one it would it would have really been tough for a tennessee state to get in same thing last year with the central finishing 11 and one no central finished what 10 and two last year 10 and two last year it would have been tough to get it now if you go back two years ago when the south carolina state beat Jackson State, uh-huh. that would have been that would have been a good path for something like what you're talking about to happen, right? In right. polls that do not automatically recognize the Celebration Bowl winner right. as a national champion. 
Um, three seasons with Eddie Jordan at the helm. He's going into year four. Uh, are we, what, what, how hot, what's your expectation level? Well, first off, how would you grade the performance three seasons? And is the expectation eight wins and a conference, at least a shot at the conference title or being in the hunt one or two next year? Okay. How many wins did he have year one, Brian? I think he had seven year one. Did he have seven wins? He either had six or seven in year one. And then it, it, it regressed to four last year. If he had either six or seven in year one, then I have to give this season a C. Give it what? I have to give it a C. C okay, a C because if you think about year one, you came in, you won with somebody else's players in theory. Year two, you started getting your own players, and you took a step, and you took a step backwards, which, yeah. which, which is to, which is kind of to be expected. You were two wins better this season, so that's average. That is average. That's right where you're supposed to be. Doesn't average mean? You've done what is expected of you. You haven't done. B means you've done something above expectations. Uh, A means you are except you have done exceptional. Correct. So yes, yes. I give it a C. He met expectations. Okay. Uh, Tennessee State. Lawrence said Tennessee State had four wins. Um, I was going back two years ago, Lawrence. If, if you know well, uh, but but two years ago, I think he only had six wins. I think that two years ago was his first year, he had six, then it went down to four. Then this year, he had back up to six. If I were, I think so. So, and and and, and John, yeah, this has to be the year he cannot regress this year. If he does anything less than six, he may find himself on the outside looking in. Dissatisfaction will rear its ugly head, uh, and and so this and, six wins was the best season according to Lawrence. Five okay. yeah, five two years ago, regressed to four, then jumped up to six. So he's been all over. I got, place. I got to get seven wins and and plus five hundred in the conference, five hundred or above in the conference. Oh, I'd say just flat out above five hundred, you know. But I think the I think the OVC is going to change. You won't have a seven team league. I think they go to a where well, there'll be more conference games next year. I think because they're of their merger, uh, I think it's more conference games next year on their schedule, but uh, they got to get some wins in the transfer portal too. I don't, I could just be missing it because I'm Brian. You know, they need to get Brian, some wins. Nobody wants to play in an empty stadium. Ooh. Okay. Let's move on. That's a shot. All right. Number take, four, take, take those 4,000 people playing a smaller venue. And I've got a better feeling about playing than I do in a sixty in those four thousand in a sixty thousand seat stadium. Yes, I said it. All right, number four is uh, Alabama State finished the season seven and four, um, five and three. Now they lost their last game of the season. Alabama State did. Um, they, no, they they beat Tuskegee. They lost their last SWAT game of the season. I'm sorry. That's okay. See, there, there's your there's your big adjustment right there. They beat Tuskegee. I I, I forgot about that. Yes. They, that, uh, yeah. That win. That but win. The Tuskegee Golden Tigers who scored a total of six points. Okay. Against okay. the two okay. FCSs okay. in Alabama. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm trying. You want to keep punishing yourself? Go ahead. I'm trying to help you get out of it. Um. So you don't have to keep living in that punishment. Um. But they beat Jackson State 
have homecoming, and that might be a big reason why you see them in the top five and not that school from Mississippi. So uh, congrats to uh, Coach Eddie Robinson. Uh, his second year, let me see, last year, what did Alabama State go last year? Just about 500, I think, maybe last year, six and I five? five. I think they were five and six last year. Okay. Either five and six or six and five. So seven wins is good. Yeah, improvement. Yeah, improvement. Coach Robinson has that team going in the right direction. B uh, minus. They, they will be B minus. Okay. I, I, B minus. I give them a solid B. I think the defense was 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 competitive, they, worthy. The offense needed 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 more. They didn't get the kind of quarterback. And, and hence hence the minus. Hence the minus. The okay. offense the offense was putrid. All right, they went six and five according to uh, John. Uh, so that's a. They will be in the hunt. They're, they're going to be one of those three East teams that people are going to be looking for. Uh, so we'll see what the offseason does for Alabama State. Number three, Howard. Howard University. MEAC champions, second year. Uh, six and six, which is an improvement from a year ago. Uh, Runner-up in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, I, I think this is the right spot for Howard. I, I think this is um, probably the, the good spot for them where they where their season went so um it, it was real interesting why i tell you drew have you have you had a chance to go back and watch and listen to the game from I've, the ESPN uh, from tiffany and jay bits and pieces of it i i really it's an interesting watch and listen you know obviously we're watching through binoculars and focused on you know players and you're looking at the computer typing in but when you get a chance to watch it's an entirety and listen to the comments, see the replays and run them again, again, over. Um, you, you come away with certain thoughts and about that game. And, uh, you know, it was just interesting to kind of see Howard. Uh, it makes me want to go back and uh, Howard fans should just really appreciate that North Carolina central game. That that's what, that's what watching the replay of the game makes me say, you should really go back and appreciate that game against North Carolina central is the highlight game of the decade. Best win in, uh, might be this millennium uh, for for Howard uh, because it won you a title that you probably wouldn't have got any other way. And so I, I think you ought to celebrate that game and watch it on replay as many times as you can. Uh, can I answer G Boom's question while it's on the uh, screen? Well, uh, I see yeah. it right there. Uh, go ahead and pop that one up if you would, Roy. I got it. Uh, let's see. Uh, basically, and, and looking at the numbers that the computer put in, PV, despite the fact that they finished second, zero non-conference wins, Bama State, even with the loss to Miles, uh, who was a Division II, still had non-conference victories uh, that they had there. Which Plus, were, who were the kind of non-conference wins, Drew? Uh, now you got me going back and looking, but well, I know one of them was Tuskegee. Yes, one of them was Tuskegee. And uh, then they beat Southern. It was that did it, that game did not count. count. Yeah, that, that game did not count. Season, so that was a game against right. Southern, right? And also, uh, boom, the strength of schedule, the East strength of schedule, just among itself, was better than the West strength of, strength of schedule against those teams playing against each other. Those teams were uh, rated higher. So, again, just, just something, the, just yeah, something to the, put out there. Yeah, and this is computer-generated. Computer-generated. This is not, not, not opinion. 
right? But, this isn't a, this isn't opinion. This is an opinion. Strength of schedule, non non conference victories. Yeah, uh, and even, even with one of them being a D two school, and margin of victory goes into it. And if I remember, Prairie View got blown out in two of those non conference uh, losses, if I remember correctly. Oh yes, even a even a conference game they got. But anyway, but that's, yeah. All right, let's, 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 all right. Uh, love y'all. Number two, I think we all know who number two is. North Carolina Central finishes nine and three, four and one in MIAC play. Um, you know, a, a bad night denied us the, the matchup that I know the HBCU diaspora wanted. Now, if that matchup would have happened, North Carolina Central versus FAMU, would that have broken the record of uh, the 49,000 between Jackson and uh, was it Southern or in a, uh, South Jack- Carolina? No, Jackson central was the, uh, was the record. Oh, I was think, it? that was the 49. Okay. I still think this would have came in third, but it would have been well north of 45. Okay. I don't, I still don't think we would have got to the uh, 50, but uh, we'd have been 45, 46,000 with, with that game. And Brian, remember, when when we got there, before we got the numbers, who called forty uh, one? You did, yes, you did. Congratulations. Yep, I was a little higher, but you know, optimistic me. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me, but I just lost audio from the studio, Brian. Hello. Can you hear me, Drew? I, I hear you now. I don't hear Brian. All right. Changing it up. All right. All right. All right. So. All right. Test one, two. How, how am I saying? Give me a, give there me a thumbs go. up. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. So, uh, again, congratulations to Coach Trey Oliver. North Carolina Central finishing number two after a year where they finished uh, number one in the BCSN top five. And, of course, our number one ranked team. For the second time, the Black College Sports Network recognizes Florida A&M University under head coach Willie Simmons as its national champion. This year, we could say it is an undisputed national champion but uh what i love is that uh what i love is that famu recognizes the honor and coach simmons recognizes the honor from uh 2019 and so uh you know hey look and you think back to the last few years florida nm this year north carolina central last year hold on a second whoever keeps flipping the slides Stay off of the, stay off the slides. I told you to keep your hands off the wheel. Damn it. 
Keep your hands off the wheel. Uh, the second <laughs> Florida A&M this year, uh, North Carolina Central last year. Then in 2021, we recognized Jackson State as national champions, even though that was the year South Carolina State won the Celebration Bowl. Okay. Then the year before that, Florida A&M was recognized as national champs, even though uh, North Carolina A&T won the Celebration Bowl. And then the year before that, which was 2018, North Carolina A&T. So and that Florida was the season, if I remember correctly. That's the what? That yes, a t was the undefeated season of 2018. Yeah. So uh, for the second time, uh, FAMU wins that, wins the honors. There you can see the final top five there. And then, of course, there's your beautiful graphic, uh, Florida A&M 2023 Division I champions. Now, I heard, a, I, I was told, Drew, that championship rings were purchased for FAMU from Justin's for the 20. 2019 national championship. And I don't know if those were ever distributed. I'm I'm about to call up former AD Gaucher and maybe I just ask coach Simmons. And and cause when you think, cause when you think about it, the pandemic came before they could get it. Right. Right. But, and so, yeah. And, and there was an eight, there was an athletic director change too. That happened. I think it was two of them. (laughs) So, uh, that bill apparently never got paid until going into uh, the the uh, uh, VP Sykes took over. I, I did hear her mention that. So I'm just curious if those championship rings were ever distributed. And we and if they never not, paid for them. <laughs> somebody, yeah, oh, they've been paid for. So the question is, Drew, what are the chances for like memory keeps it? What are the chances we could get our hands on that ring? I mean, not that. Not that we had anything to do with the performance, but we did, the Black College Sports Network did bestow and recognize them as national champs. I feel like, I feel like you know, they, there should be a ring that we maybe will get our hands on somehow. I don't know. I mean, I'm just talking. Let me stop. But I just, I'd, I'd be happy with a replica. A replica, right. It'd be a cool memorabilia thing to kind of have. But anyway. And, um, and Brian, Brian. Shout out to Florida A&M. Let's see. What was it? Bowling? Well, uh, what are we well, talking? No. Just no, championships, not, not tennis. Well, are you talking? What? What? Where, where are you going? Ca- with calendar, calendar year this year. Calendar year. You had. Uh, you started with tennis. Tennis, golf. Uh, no, not golf. You had baseball. Baseball. Okay. Uh, then in the. Uh, then you had cross country. Yeah. Championship uh, appearance and volleyball. Volleyball went to the championship game. Yeah. And then you had football. So they won titles in four or five conference championship games in the 2023 calendar year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me see. I don't think I'm missing anybody. Tamara T, am I missing anybody? She got five trophies. Who am I missing? Because volleyball would have been volleyballs technically was the calendar year of 2022. But when you even though it was the 23, 22, 23 season, um see, I don't I don't I don't know if it's five trophies in one season. But anyway. But just this calendar I, year, 
Yeah, there's, see, there's two different things. You got to be careful about that because calendar year is technically two school years because yeah. you have the spring semester and then you have essentially, you know, school calendar resets in like July. Okay. And then, so you have the fall sports, which is a new year. So, so she said football had five trophies this year. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's what she's talking about. Yes. Football won the Orange Let's Blossom see. Classic. They won the uh, Florida Classic. They were the SWAC East champions, the SWAC champions, and the Celebration Bowl champions. That's your five. Right. That and, five. yes, John did hit it right. Four, four titles uh, in the calendar year. So, um, and I'm sure there's some other schools that had, uh, some good, good seasons that had four conference. Like I would, I would, you know, somebody tell me, I think, I feel like Alabama state might've won. I know they won won both. They won both tracks. If I remember correctly, Alabama state, they won. No, they lost in the volleyball championship. Uh, Prairie View might have been in the hunt for, and we're just talking the calendar year of 2023. I know when you get into the conference commissioner's trophy, that's a different thing. So, which, uh, which Florida, which Florida AM or that school on the beach will never win? I don't, you know, well, be, I, what hurts us is the number of teams we have, but we, we only offer the minimum sports, and there are all the other swag institutions play right. other sports that we do not offer so they have the ability to accumulate points at those but if sports. you if you finish first or second in multiple sports which if you think about going in well i'm not really sure what what we can expect from basketball for famu but right. i feel confident that maybe indoor track and field might have a play at something i think bowling will be in the hunt i think golf will be in the hunt and then you're gonna have repeat opportunities for baseball and track. So, but but the fact we only have one tennis team and no soccer team hurts us. Yes, it does. All right. Okay. Well, uh, that's gonna put a bow on uh, our merry merry uh, HBCU season. Uh, for this year. I'm not really sure if we're going to... I want to give a shout out to everybody who's watching and has watched on Instagram. First time that we went on Instagram, so I know there's people jumping in and out. We appreciate everybody. Uh, Please make sure you're following us, not only uh, on Instagram, but follow the Black College Sports Network on Facebook. Find us on uh, Twitter, now X. Find us here on YouTube via the Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page. All of those platforms allow you an opportunity to watch shows, not like just like ours, Carlos Brown show, which aired before us today. Uh, Dr. Cavill is inside the HBCU Sports Lab, which airs every Tuesday and Thursday night. The ONG Strike Zone, which uh, is a FAMU-centric show, comes on Wednesday night. And we're looking to add some more shows going into the next uh, school year. So, um, hey, if you got a show idea, reach out to us, info at myjbn.com. Or you can always reach us on our social media platforms as well. And uh, we'd love to discuss bringing some more content, some unique voices, unique ideas onto this platform. All right, uh, Drew, any final thoughts you want to share before we 
pack pack up and uh, go do some Christmas shopping before they cut the lights out in the mall? <laughs> no, uh, just want to say seasons greetings to everybody. Whatever you say, happy happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, whatever it is uh, that that you celebrate. Uh, just wish you prosperity for the remainder of the year. I don't think we're going to be on next week. We'll probably run some best of BCSN sports wraps uh, next weekend, which means we'll be back on the first first Sunday of the new year. All right. Well, hey, Drew is set the schedule. I appreciate you, Drew. For- <laughs> Drew set the schedule. Uh, I love it, Drew. Said, I'm, not, I'm not doing a show. Look, look, do you want to do a show on New Year's Eve? I you know don't what? want to do a show on New Year's I'm, Eve. Look, Drew, I'm all about the hustle, man. I, I What am I going to do New Year's Eve? I'm either going, A, if my car is right, I'm going to go drive. Or B, I'm going to be sitting at home watching, listening to fireworks outside. You know, if I get lucky, you know, maybe I might be able to, you know, uh, entertain, ball and parlay, or whatever it is y'all kids call it at Tuskegee. But I doubt it. I doubt it. I may be sitting at home. I might need to go to church. Who knows? That's what, probably where I need to go. Exactly. Exactly. That's well, where if, I need to go. You know, if you if you are sitting at home, then you can watch the best of the BCSN Sports Wrap as we go work over the next week to pull some clips of some of our most memorable shows and our most memorable outtakes, and and package them together. That's right. So I look forward to seeing the clips that you pull, Drew, to help put together for that. Oh, best you, of you, you, see, you see, he ain't got no suggestions for us. <laughs> I'm trying I to mean, give him the weekend off, but you, you know, help a brother out. Just like, oh yeah, remember that show we talked about this? Yeah. And, all right. Well, look, maybe we have to go through some interviews that I mean, we might that might be the easiest way is just kind of go through the interviews that we've done and just kind of clip clip those interviews. So uh um what up, all right. holiday? Yeah, what up? Shout out and uh yeah, you know, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the bell button wherever you are. Hit the like button. Uh, follow us. Uh, all that good stuff. Um, we appreciate everybody for uh, jumping in, and we'll kind of we'll we'll kind of see. I maybe I have to do uh, some some shows because I we didn't we gotta we gotta talk about some of this coaching stuff, I and mean, we ain't gonna talk about it now because it's time to go. But I mean, maybe I maybe I need. I mean, a- we could do a short, but I I'm I'm not down for two hours. Drew, Drew, you know we don't do nothing. "Quote unquote short." What is that? Watch me. Watch, uh, me. watch you. Okay. One segment. Well, you let's you go ahead and, and get record it. You record it and then send it to me, and then that way we'll do one offs. We'll just do it like that. All right. Let's pick up uh, the show. For our, yeah, for our producer Roy Evans, um, AD Drew from his home studio, me from the new JBN Studios in Atlanta, Florida, Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Really, Stonecrest, Georgia. But we can we call it say we say we can't we still call it Atlanta? Metro. Right. Our new studios in the Stonecrest Mall in Stonecrest, Georgia. Privy Event Center. That's where our new home is. So I encourage you guys to come check out. It's a beautiful facility here in Stonecrest at the Stonecrest Mall Privy Event Center. Um, lots of uh Black businesses here doing, uh, you know, from from reading to coffee to uh, just all kinds of stuff here to clothing, uh, health and wellness. I mean, just everything is here for you. Uh, Again, Privy at Stonecrest Mall. Come check out this beautiful facility. And this will also be our home studio. And we're looking forward to doing some great shows live 
in 2024. Have a Merry Christmas on behalf of the uh, BCSN Sports Wrap and Jerry. That's all right. Time to go. Uh, We wish you and your family Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and have a safe New Year. Peace out. But you stay our hearts.